0: Welcome to the Nurture Hub Pregnancy and Birth Podcast with your hosts Shari Lyon and Nicola Lay. Together, we bring over 30 years of experience in working
1: with women and partners through education, breathing, mindfulness, and evidence based
0: information, and nurturing you through this transformation into motherhood. Join us on this journey as we connect with women and partners, mentoring, supporting, and navigating the ups and downs of becoming parents. Welcome to episode 44. Nicola and I actually just want to take this moment just to say thank you to all of you who have supported us on this journey through this podcast. We are loving connecting with so many of you, and your DMs and messages and you sharing our episodes just mean the world to us because you know, we can't do this alone in sharing this message. We need your help to help empower more women around the world. And if you can share any of our episodes to help a woman just really realize that she's not alone, then that would mean the world to us. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go and subscribe. So you get notified when our new episodes are released. And if we can ask a little favor, would you be open to sharing a review for us? It would mean the world to us. And this just helps us get in front of more women so that we can really share this message and these this beautiful information that we as women are not flawed we are powerful and we can have beautiful experiences of pregnancy birth and postpartum and let's just really support each other so If you're new to the podcast, welcome, and if you are a regular listener, thank you and welcome back. So in this episode, we have invited Stasha Washburn to the podcast. So Stasha is known as the period coach, the bloody kind, not the grammar kind. She's the founder of the period coaching school, certifying coaches to incorporate menstrual cycles into their work, and she's also the author of The Revolution Will Be Bloody, (laughs) Stasha is also a dancer, cook, sword fighter. She's a speaker, skateboarder, foul-mouthed, football-loving, digital nomad, and basically pinning her down is nearly impossible. She'll go anywhere as long as there is a tea kettle and a Wi-Fi. So as a certified holistic health coach and more than 20 years of research have fueled her passion to reconnect women to the power in their period. Stasha is leading the bloody revolution to end the taboo of menstruation worldwide. No longer whispers in the bathroom, she's leading the powerful public discussions and we are so excited to have her on this podcast today. Enjoy this amazing episode.
1: Welcome to our next episode, i are so excited to be here today.
0: Welcome Stasha, we have Stasha Washburn who is known as the period coach on today, welcome.
2: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> Hello. <Welcome. laughs> so you're joining us all the way from the United States, can you just share a little bit of information with our listeners of where you're from and how did you become a period coach?
2: Oh yeah. Well, I'm from the US. I moved a lot as a kid, so I generally just say New York because that's like the place that I probably spent the longest. <laughs> um, but I've lived all over and I've traveled all over the country many times, uh, as well as the world. I got the travel plug young. So, like, really literally, just tell me that I can speak in an audience and that there will be a Wi-Fi and a tea kettle, and I will go. Just <laughs> I'll be on the plane tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I got started as a period coach because there was nobody to help me. I had really really painful, horrendous periods kind of right out of the gate as a teen. And you know, at the time they were like, "Well, that can't possibly be endometriosis because you're too young and that takes years to develop." And now we know that's not true at all. But Uh, Yeah. So I just, I mean, I would have these periods that as a high schooler, I was on birth control, experimental birth controls, narcotics, like they stepped me up in painkillers until I was on the painkillers that, you know, were like the top of the line. So, and nothing really made a difference. Um, there were a lot of times that I would just pass out in the shower or in school or in the hallways just collapse. Like the pain would hit me like a wave and I would just black out and kind of wake up later and realize, Oh, I've got my period now. So um, I spent days, three ish days every month in the bathroom throwing up, in the tub with the water as hot as I possibly could get it trying to get a little pain relief and just it's like the worst food poisoning you've ever had but for three days continuously with no relief every single month and knowing oh I get to do that again in four weeks oh great can't wait like very very much on the edge of suicide for a while just going I don't know how to live like this and knowing I had 30 more years or 40 more years And just not being able to face it um so as i did figure my own stuff out and i did figure out how to reduce the endometriosis symptoms and how to eat and work and live with my cycle as an ally i started to reduce the symptoms i started to feel a lot better um and i just sort of started helping everyone around me like everyone who had period problems was so much easier to fix than mine because endo is so hard and complicated it's not really a hormonal imbalance so it's a, it's a very complex thing, but like everyone else was super easy to fix. So I just kind of started fixing everyone else. And then, you know, at some point I just was ranting about how it sucks that we just can't have these conversations and it's so taboo and there's no research and the doctors don't know crap. And their only answer is birth control or surgery. And it's just, I was really ranty. And my friend goes, you should just call yourself the period coach. And I was like, you know what? I wonder if that URL is free. It is. Bye. It took like two seconds. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So that was it. The period coach was born.
0: (laughs) And we've actually talked about how taboo it is, isn't it? In Mm. in some last episodes with Jane, Jane Hardwick Collins. And, um, you know, coming into our period as women is, you know, a rite of passage and what that experience was like. And gosh, I'm so sorry that your experiences was, was so horrendous. Like I, I didn't. I personally didn't realize it could be that bad for for women because I've never experienced that. And it, that's also where I think it's really important. Once again, to to reiterate that we are not all the same. We are yeah. all so different, and that is the same with our cycles as well. So we'd love to talk to you about our like women and our cycles and yeah, what what, what would be some of the main information you would like to share in regards to women's cycles and our periods?
2: Well, I think one of the first things to know is that PMS is not just part of, quote, being a woman. You know, that's what all the doctors told me. Um, it's not a curse. You know, our periods aren't supposed to be painful. They're not supposed to be horrifying, emotional roller coasters. They're not supposed to take you down. They're not supposed to be these negative experiences. And 90% of menstruators will have a hormonal imbalance. So like basically everyone is going to have a struggle with their cycles. So like that's not an us problem. That's a culture problem. You know, when half of the population is having the same issues, that's not a like me problem. That's a you problem, patriarchy. (laughs) So, um, you know, the first thing to know is that no, you shouldn't be feeling terrible and no, it shouldn't be that bad or moody or exhausting or whatever it is. Uh, And that it's, it's not supposed to be a negative. It's supposed to be a positive Um, So that's number one. And number two is that we have to stop running away from it and embrace it. So um, turn around, you know, it's just like doing shadow work, you have to just turn around and look at the crappy feelings or the negative experience or whatever it is and turn around and face it and Find a way to make that peace. And I can honestly say that I absolutely love my period now. I did a lot of work and I did a lot of physical healing and emotional healing. I mean, I had to hire somebody to work through my PTSD because, oh, buddy, like it was bad. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I did a lot of that work, but now it's like, I so look forward to that week where I can just rest and relax and kick back. And, you know, I run a business with my cycle. I plan my life with my cycle. It's all, you know, everything just kind of goes with those phases. And, you know, sometimes stuff happens and comes up, but I'm so much better to deal, prepared to deal with it now. So yeah, and you I really think, can love it.
1: And I think this is where a lot of women don't realize this, that in the cycle week, is to take the time out for themselves and I think as women we are so in the masculine push 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 Mm -hmm. that we don't actually take the time to rest and it's a sad it's a sad feeling isn't it and I'm in the middle of teaching my nine-year-old how how her cycle is going to look like what it's going to be and Really trying to heal my own cycle um, headspace, so that she yeah. comes into it feeling really loved and supported, and ready for something that's going to be really beautiful for her, rather than for me. And we talked about this in a previous episode. You know, I was at, brought up by nuns in a convent. I, here's the the pad, and we you know, God be with you. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, what's happening to me? Do I might need to get a hospital? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I hear stories all the time from girls all around the world too. It's not like any particular country that has this problem where, you know, I get messages sometimes from girls who are like, Oh my God, I'm bleeding. Am I dying? Mm -hmm. You you know, they're just, they're shocked. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what's happening. They don't know what to expect. They don't know what's right or what's wrong. And I mean, and the thing is, is like, it's tough to Uh, you know, our moms didn't get any helpful information because their moms didn't because their moms didn't. So it's just a perpetuation of ignorance. That's not there. You know, there's no fault. Like the fault is so far back in the history now that there's no way to like fix that. So at this point, we just have to educate ourselves that we can educate the next generations and they can have a far better experience than we did. (laughs)
1: I love that so much. Mm.
0: Now we are coming into so today. Today we are recording this on the nineteenth of October, and today is the full moon. And this before we jumped on, and my, I find my cycle has become very much in alignment and with the the moon cycle. And I, I mean, I personally um, have always felt my body has worked uh very much in in regards to my you know my cycle it's always been very I felt like clockwork um I I know i, I and that's that's where I just feel for you ex- experiencing what you went through as um you know as a teenager and, and in your early life how painful it was I feel very lucky that I I didn't have that and my my periods were never painful. They came exactly right time, and I remember when I was seventeen, obviously, and and my mum made me go into birth control because she knew I had a, you know a boyfriend, mm-hmm. and I went on and I just it never I didn't like it, and so without really telling her, I was on it for a few years. But then after there was this like intuitive for me, I was like, no, this is not right for me. And I was like, you know what? why should I have to protect myself? They can protect themselves because I'm, why should I wreck, you know, my cycle and my body? Not, not wreck. I don't want to use that word, but do you know what I mean? It just being on birth control, never felt right for me. And right. I think it was, maybe I came off it when I was 22 and from then on we, you know, contraception wise, it was my Mm. partner that used the contraception. Mm. Um, And so I've always had a, I feel a really, beautiful clockwork cycle that has been in alignment with the moon cycles. Could you tell us a little bit about how, how, how does the moon come into play with our cycles?
2: Yeah. So the first thing I want to say is that birth control, we have an idea that hormonal birth control regulates our cycles. It does not. It puts your ovaries to sleep. So you're more closely in menopause. It's not bioidentical hormones, it's not mimicking your cycle, that bleed that you get is not a period bleed, it's a withdrawal from the drugs bleed, Uh, and they're chemicals, not hormones. So I just kind of wanted to state that because those hormonal birth controls, you know, our doctors often go, well, this will regulate your cycle. No, that's not what it does at all. It puts you into menopause and then you don't get to ovulate. And if you don't ovulate, you don't make progesterone. If you don't make progesterone, you don't feel happy. You don't feel good. You don't feel healthy. Your bone and heart health suffer in the long-term because we need progesterone for our long-term health, uh, our mental health, our physical health. So, and And our gut health. So birth control also deteriorates our gut lining. So a lot of women gain weight, feel depressed, anxious, all these kinds of things because birth control does deteriorate the gut health as well. So I just kind of felt like I needed to get Mm -hmm. that out there. Um, But as far as the moon is concerned, I love it. It's one of my favorite tools in the toolbox that I use for clients because it's just so good. So originally pre-industrial revolution and indoor lighting, we would menstruate with the new moon and ovulate with the full moon. And you can see that in how every culture has full moon festivals where they have like big bonfires. There's lots of sex involved in most of them. If you really go back far enough in time, most of them had like bonfire orgies happening. And that's kind of because everyone was ovulating. So if you really wanted the healthiest babies, and now we know things like there's killer sperm, we know our vaginal cervical mucus will kill off sperm. So if you can imagine for the sake of a community and the health of the longevity of it, having multiple donors, shall we say, Uh, in that same time span, your body is literally picking out like the best and the brightest of those sperm that are there and making the healthiest babies possible. So if you look at the cultural evolution, we had all these kinds of events and then you'll see, um, very not a lot made it through a lot of the patriarchal purging and rewriting of our stories but you will see some evidence of um women who would menstruate opposite so menstruating with the full moon uh were often uh thought of as the wise women of the community so they were often the healers or the wise women And I think it's kind of an empowering part of our history because now industrial revolution, we all menstruate with the new moon at some point. And it just kind of feels good to be like, oh, I'm in my wise woman, healer energy archetype now, you know, like it's really quite empowering. And I think it, you know, it gives all of us an opportunity to look at our periods as a positive, as a really good thing. um, And I really love it. But one of my favorite things about the moon is that there's no side effects to menstruating with the moon. And for anyone that comes to me that has irregular periods, and I mean, truly irregular periods. So having like a five day plus or minus on your cycle is super normal. I have 24 days to 32 is my like outside. And that's like, if I got the flu, when I got vaccinated, when I am really fatigued or super stressed, it'll push out to 32 days. But I've been charting my cycle for years. So I know that's my like, oh, the shit hit the fan um, cycle, (laughs) so to speak. Uh, So I know for myself, you know, 24 to like 28 days is my normal. But when you don't know that information, you get really surprised, and you think your period's far more irregular than it probably is. But for my clients who really truly have like big swinging cycles, one of the first things we do is sleep with the moon. Mm. So you sleep in pitch black until the full moon. So like maybe the day or day two days before the full moon, where you start to let some light into your room, whether that's like opening the curtains a little bit or having like a little salt lamp in the room or something. And then like those three days, day before, day of, day after of the full moon, you have that little bit of light in the room, a, a, like battery tea light, for example. And like it's not super bright, but, you know, enough. And then go back to sleeping in complete darkness. And I've seen it happen over and over again where their cycles are starting to tighten up. And it'll start to get a bit more regular, a bit more predictable, a bit easier to anticipate and and understand and feel how it works. Um, For some of my perimenopausal clients, it helped to kind of keep things moving in a more regular fashion, Until but they also then knew their ovulation. So they were able to go, well, I didn't ovulate this month, so that may change my menstrual cycle. And they were just easier uh, and more in tune with what was happening, so i And I love it because what's the worst that can happen? You know, you have some light in your room for a couple of days. like there's no side effect, but it can really make a big difference. And for myself, when I first started doing this, I had like, I don't know, maybe two years where I had exact twenty eight day cycles. And it wasn't until I got into my late 30s and I was traveling and changing, like crossing the date line a lot and this kind of stuff that it got a little less, um, less regular. But yeah, I love working with the moons. And then as we move into perimenopause and we're tracking, we use the new moon as day one. So you're still doing your same charting as you would anyway. You're just using the new moon as day one. Which in families, we have the kids start their charts on day one. You know, they're tracking different things, but they're still tracking how they're feeling and stuff. Men, new moon day one. You can still chart. You can still see how food affects your mood, affects your energy, you know, all these things. So I have whole families (laughs) that chart together (laughs) and they just use day one as the new moon for the family. And then mom might use her period for her chart um but may not as well just kind of depending on how it works best for her
0: okay can we please explore a little bit more about charting um because for especially for for the women who do who are listening trying to fall pregnant understanding their own cycle or you know and how they that they can chart to understand when they are ovulating, what are the signs of that um, compared to when they're not. Could you give a little bit of advice on that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's so funny how it's unknown. You know, I have a friend who teaches charting specifically, and she had a client who was a nurse at a fertility clinic who could not get pregnant, and it's because she was trying to get pregnant on day 14. And it turned out she ovulated on like day 11 and all in one cycle working with my friend, she got pregnant because they just went, Oh, but it's because you're ovulating early. So she's been, she's like not having sex waiting for ovulation, but it turned out she was just missing ovulation every month. And that's why she couldn't get pregnant. But no one in any, in that fertility clinic was like, Oh, maybe you ovulate before day 14, like just didn't even occur to them. So Yeah. I like how many women have spent an amazing amount of money on fertility treatments when in reality, they probably were just ovulating early and they just were missing that window every moment. Like that's the kind of stuff that makes me crazy and keep doing what I'm doing. (laughs) And
1: uh, and I used to work in a fertility clinic in the, in the UK as a reflexologist back in the day. And um, I used to talk to them about, you know, feeling the consistency of what's happening and then chart what that feels like till it gets really eggy and and you can really expand it in your hands and i used to do their feet at the same time and we used to have a much bigger success rate than the ivf clinic side of it so it was in we were there for a research and experiment and i remember one of the ivf doctors coming in saying right explain what you're doing and i'm like just using natural therapy and just understanding your body more
2: <laughs> yeah it's incredible isn't it mm. But yeah, so ovulation, let's see, there's there's three signs, and for most of my clients, one, two out of the three is good enough, um, unless it's really struggling with fertility issues. Uh, but the first one is cervical mucus, like you were saying, that real egg white, stretchy cervical mu- mucus. Um it's I mean, most women go, boy, I just feel like I might have wet myself a little bit. And it's not. It's just that kind of sploosh moment, as we call it in my community, <laughs> when that cervical fluid hits and you're like, oh, oh, okay, we're there now. Um, so that's kind of obvious, and that happens right that right before well starts right before you ovulate, usually, like right before the egg releases. So you've got a little bit of that window of like a couple of days before the egg is ovulate has exploded out of the ovary um, when it can get fertilized, that 24 hour magic window. Um, and then that will kind of start to dry up. But the day after you ovulate, your basal body temperature will go up. So if you're tracking your basal body temperature, you can confirm ovulation. And that's not super helpful if you're trying to get pregnant, except that it is if you do that for a few months and you get like, okay, these are the signs that I'm ovulating. And you can get really confident with going, like, I feel my libido peak. I feel this sploosh moment. I'm, you know, I can see the cervical mucus in my underwear. It's like bright white in my underwear. You know, I go to pee and I can just feel this extra fluid coming from my vaginal canal. So all of these different signs, you know, they're a little different for everybody, but those are very common ones. Um, There's also a method where you use a piece of toilet paper and you just kind of dab, not when you're peeing, but at other times of the day. And if you see some cervical mucus on it, then you're very likely ovulating because that's really only time you have that much excess cervical fluid. So using that basal body temperature to confirm ovulation basically just goes, you're right. You were right. You guessed right. And then you can kind of go, okay, then that, if I'm trying to get pregnant, I know that these are those signs and go have lots of juicy, lovely sex for those days. And then you can confirm that ovulation with your basal body temperature. Uh, The third way of telling is also your cervix. So your cervix moves in your body, she'll go higher, lower, she'll be hard, which feels like the tip of your nose or soft, which feels like your lower lip. Uh, And then she'll open and close and she opens for ovulation to let sperm through and she opens for menstruation to let blood out. So otherwise she's closed. So, you can confirm ovulation uh, in real time with your cervix. So, if you're really struggling, that's when we say, okay, now let's start doing some cervix mapping and see what your cervix is doing throughout the month. We can start to anticipate her. You know, like someone will go, oh, yeah, I can start to feel it's getting harder to reach. Uh, you know, and that's a sign that I'm about to ovulate or, you know, I can start to feel her softening. So I know I'm going to ovulate soon. So it's a good one. Um, But it's, you know, it is one where you have to get very comfortable with your body, trim your nails, wash your hands. (laughs) It's a little more complicated. So it's one that we generally, you know, I've definitely had clients who are just wanted to do it because they just wanted to know and were just very curious about their bodies. Uh, and other ones are like, you know what? That seems a little invasive. I don't want to necessarily do that. So, you know, kind of up to the cervix owner, <laughs> really.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and what about women that feel? So I always feel my ovulation. It's almost like a, yeah. like a pop. I feel it's something. It, uh, it's really curious. Now, I used to talk about this and people go, I have no idea what you're talking about. But I've heard about it a lot more through working with women.
2: Yeah, I definitely know women that can go. Oh, I ovulated with my right ovary today. Oh, Mm -hmm. I ovulated on my left side today. Like they can feel even this which ovary is ovulating. Which I just, I'm a little envious of because I've never been able to like get into that space. But then I also go, you know what? I've had enough feeling with my cycle in my lifetime. So maybe this is okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, someone can really feel it. And not only that feeling of ovulation, but they can really feel the change in their mood and their energy levels. So a libido, you know, our testosterone spikes in ovulation. And so our libido spikes our confidence spikes are just like feel good energy spikes. And that's um, also a really big tip off, you know, for uh, women just or menstruators to go, Oh, I am certainly feeling that energy spike. Like I am, ready to attack my partner in the closet for uh, you know a 20 minute quickie there like <laughs> that's that's always a good sign like okay you're you're, you're ovulating yep that'll do it <laughs> that's that's confirmation <laughs> i love this
1: and and for women that have been on the pill for a really long time um can you sort of just explain what changes that they would be feeling as they're sort of thinking about coming off that pill or how long would it take for them to start getting back into their normal cycle again?
2: Yeah, some, some just, they come off the pill like nothing happened and they go right back into a regular period. Uh, it's a lot less common than the medical industry would have us believe. Most People have issues somewhere around the three-month mark and the six-month mark. So whenever I'm working with people coming off of birth control, before they come off of the birth control, we start sleeping with the moon just to start giving our body that cyclical signal again. And we start doing a lot of fiber. So really like bone broth, fiber, lots of gut healing protocol, Uh, And then getting them off of the birth control and making sure that they've got really good gut healing routines already established so that the transition is less rocky. And then usually around the three-month mark, you'll see a hiccup if you're going to see hiccups, Um, you know, acne, acne just feeling oily or greasy, like as the hormones are just, it's a bit like being a teenager all over again. Your ovaries have to remember how to work. Your pituitary gland has to send signals and it's not sent in years. So there's a lot of the body that needs to like get back online after being off for a long time and they all work together. So if one... Heart is not quite getting the right signals. It, it, you know, one thing goes wrong and the whole assembly line just goes to pot. So um, we definitely work on getting the gut health going and then getting all of those uh just chemicals out of the body. So we do a lot of liver support and healing. There's a lot of roasty dandelion root tea in my clients day and during this time. Uh and then sometimes you'll start, they'll start to feel better. And then in around the six-month mark, they might see another. Uh, shift as the body is getting, you know, back to it and more used to it. So there may be another shift around that six month mark. So generally, you know, I say, don't panic if something happens six months out and you're like, you're feeling good and things seem like they're working perfectly. And then six months, something glitches again, you know, don't, don't panic. You're not doing anything wrong. You don't need to go back on birth control. You don't have a birth control defici- deficiency. That's not the problem happening. So just, you know, take a breath, do what you know, you know, do all the things that that we've talked about and just keep going. And then it, it generally evens out from there. That said, there's definitely people who have birth control syndrome and they come out of it and they have lots of issues and some can last for years I mean, it can go on for a really long time, so it's not as common for sure. But it definitely does happen, and it's certainly not something that you know we talk about because it's all so taboo. Uh, but it can happen, so you know, in that case, we, you know, you really need to be working with somebody to help get that back on track properly.
0: What would be some other reasons why um, a woman's cycle wouldn't be regulated or, or is not regulating for them? Are there some oh common reasons? Can I mean, I'm sure that's it's different for every woman, but what have you seen working with so many women would be reasons why they their cycles are so all over the place or if they aren't ovulating? What, what have you found are the most common reasons?
2: Yeah. Uh stress is the top, top one. And the reason for that is we have a hormone in our body, it's kind of a master hormone uh called pregnenolone. And it is a precursor hormone. So it turns into your stress hormones like cortisol. And it turns into reproductive hormones like your progesterone. And if your body is stressed out, it's going to make cortisol instead of progesterone. It's going to make cortisol instead of your your luteinizing hormones or all of these hormones that you need to uh, start building. So that stress machine has to be dealt with first. So that you're no longer making stress hormones, but your body can go back to making your reproductive hormones. And it's not a bad system, right? Like if you get the flu, you may skip a period or it may be delayed for a week or two. And that's there because your body should be dealing with your immune system and making sure that you survive. So, you know, ovulating is not a big deal because we need to, you know, make it through this flu. Um, but then, you know, the next month you've gotten through the flu, you're feeling better. You should come right back up online the next month. Perfectly fine. Uh, so really the stress or those kinds of things that happen, you know, if there's a big wedding, if there's a sudden death in the family, you know, moving, all of these things can pause your ovulation because your body is like, yeah, we're too busy and I'm not sure we're going to survive. So like, let's not reproduce right now. That's Not a good idea. Let's just focus on survival right now. And you know, our bodies can't tell the difference between good stress or bad stress or life threatening stress. So, you know, it's like you're in a really bad car accident and it's taking a couple of months to heal and and repair from that. You may skip ovulation for a few months. You know, you may have a little an ovulary bleed where you have a period, but you didn't ovulate. So, you may not even realize you didn't ovulate if you're not tracking it. Um, but yeah, uh, so many things can affect it. So really settling the stress, doing the, the, you know, and this is where I, you know, living in flow makes the difference, right? So like my flow freedom students, we work through all of our senses. So how do we feel better through taste, through food, through making sure that, you know, the stuff that we eat and that we love is really helping our hormones, you know, build and detox each month smell? You know, are we being assaulted by like chemical cleaners all day? And that stresses you out, that puts your body under that same kind of thing. So what kind of smells are around you? And of course we have like smells for different phases of the cycle so that you're kind of keeping that inflowness of it. Talk about sight and sound, you know, if you're watching an action movie and your body feels like it's under attack, It's, you know, there's a time in your cycle where your body is perfectly prepared to deal with, you know, fun action movies, but there's another time where that's going to just increase your PMS symptoms substantially. So it's all these different things. So if you really just start being in your body and, you know, what movement, what touch, what smells, what tastes, what music am I listening to all these different things, you start reducing all of these little stressors around you. And you start getting much more in tune with your body and your cycle. You know, one of the first signs that I'm moving from my luteal phase into that deeper luteal right before menstruation phase is that I go from wanting to listen to like really upbeat concerts when I'm working to like the lo-fi jazz or <laughs> like a Bonnie concert or like a piano concerto. Like I can just tell And that my screen is too bright all of a sudden. Like the screen I've been working on all month is now just, oh boy, that's making my eyeballs hurt. Like I need to turn my screen down and go, oh, I'm going to be in deep luteal soon. Okay, noted. (laughs) (laughs) My energy is probably going to dip tomorrow and I better make sure that I have a nap on my schedule. So... You can start like all of these there's so many signs and signals your body is trying to give you all of the time. And when we're really tuned in and charting and and paying attention, we start to see them. and it's I mean, it really people look I'll say something like that in a normal people conversation, and they're just like, "Oh my God, you are a witch that is so like how could you possibly know that?" And I'm like, it's just observation. It's not, I swear to God, it's not witchcraft. I mean, you know, I'm all for it, but this is not, this is just observation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That listening to your body.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And interpreting it, you know, we, I mean, I don't, I lost count of how many women I talked to that didn't even know ovulation was a thing let alone the follicular phase, the ovulation phase, the luteal phase, that deep luteal right before menstruation and then menstruation, you know, like they're only aware of the menstrual phase, but every phase has an energy, your hormone shift in each of those phases. And you come out of ovulation and especially if you don't know it, your testosterone dips and your estrogen dips, and suddenly you're tired and you're not cranking out that 16 hour workday like it was nothing. And you're now beating yourself up. Why am I not as good as I was yesterday? Why am I such a failure today? What's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. Your hormones just dipped a little bit. Girl, don't worry about it. They're going to return. Like, don't stress. Go, you know, have a snack, relax. But we don't know that. So instead, we, Self-flagellate, we push ourselves, like, oh, I better get to the gym. Like, that's the problem. I'm not working out hard enough. And I should eat a salad today instead of a soup because I'm, you know, I need to lose weight and that'll make me feel better. And that'll keep my energy high all month long. It is absolutely not true. It's the worst thing that you could do for that luteal phase is to push harder and eat less. The absolute worst thing. But that's what almost every person I've come across does the absolute worst thing you can do for your hormonal balance. And it's the thing that we've been told over and over again that we should be doing. So no wonder we feel like crap and no wonder we're beating ourselves up and we're not thriving the way we should be.
1: Wow. I really love that. So good. And I think that most women don't realize that. I'm definitely very much aware now because I'm in that perimenopause also, yeah, having very low progesterone and all the things. Yeah. It's a constant, like up, down, up, down, but yeah, most of our listeners are in the other phase where they're trying to work out their cycles. So the other thing that we um, really don't talk about is that first period after having your baby. Mm -hmm. And most women go, Oh my God, I don't want to have this (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I haven't had it for so long. I rejoiced my first period back, but it was a long time before I got it back. But some women are, you know, you know, Sadly, they get it back really fast after having their babies. So tell us a little bit about what what that is and what that looks like.
2: Yeah, it's different for everyone. So it's tough to say like, oh, you're going to get your period right after or, oh, it'll take six months because it really depends on you and your body. But you're going to ovulate before you menstruate. So you can get a heads up that you're going to get your first period post-breastfeeding or post-birth because you're going to ovulate. And if you are charting and you're paying attention to it, you'll go, oh, God, I ovulated. I'm going to get my period in like two weeks. You've got time. Now, my suggestion is that since we all have sad, for the most part, menarche, like our very first period stories, that you take that as an opportunity to completely redefine your welcoming back into womanhood or into your, you know, the the mother years, so to speak. Um, So it's like, instead of being like, oh God, crap, I'm here again, throw yourself that period party you wish you'd had as a teen or Mm preteen, you know? Go get the red sheets, go make the hibiscus tea, get the chocolate red velvet cake. Like have that celebration that you wish that you, you know, that welcoming into this really powerful cycle again in in a way that feels empowering and positive for you and do some of that healing work that we don't get the, you know, that is a real special opportunity that not everyone gets post-birth. You know, not everyone has is able to have kids, so they don't get that opportunity or, you know, things go wrong. So it's just like, what an amazing special opportunity that you get to really rewrite your own story, rewrite the story for your children, you know, no matter what gender they are they should have this information. So you can rewrite that story for them with it as well and show them what it's like and what that that actual embrace and empowerment looks like. So track, pay attention, spot your ovulation, know you're getting your period in two weeks and plan yourself a party. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. can be a party for one. Don't like stress out. It can be like, I'm going to give my baby to my best friend or nanny or husband or partner or whoever, and you're going to lock yourself in the bathroom for the day. That's fine.
1: I think because most women get a little bit sort of sad that it's back because it's, they've, they've been free of it for so long often that it's kind of like, <laughs> oh, this is it, it sucks, it's back again. But I remember when I got mine back um, and I was an older mum for my first baby, I remember thinking, wow, I could probably have another baby if I wanted to now. Like It was quite exciting for me because I was just like, oh, wow, it's actually coming back. And it was 18 months I was without a cycle. So it was um, like, wow, it actually came back. So it was good. I was actually really excited. But um, most women get quite shocked by their first period and they feel a lot more, um, often feel more pain, don't they, on that first cycle back.
2: Yeah, it can happen. And that's where it's, you know, those wonky hormones are coming in. So if we're doing those things like the eating for our gut health and doing lots of really high fiber and really good fats to help pull those excess hormones out from the birth and, you know, especially if it's a traumatic birth, which is sadly so common, All of that stress, all of those hormones that are just floating around. And, you know, if they're not removed, they just get reabsorbed. So then you've got last month's hormones and the month before that and the month before that and the year before that. And they just build and build and build. So really focusing on those gut healing things, you know, drinking the bone broth, having the fermented foods and getting lots of really good, healthy fibers, not like crappy fiber drinks, you know, but like, chia seeds and avocados and buckwheat and those really good healthy fibers that will help pull those hormones out and really good healthy fats because you need them. They're good for you. Don't be afraid of fat. Uh, Yeah, that can help substantially reduce the pain uh, that comes. And again, even if you don't have that cycle, just syncing up with the moon, just like coming off of birth control, you know, sleeping with the moon can help your body Understand the rhythm again. And I've got no science behind me on this. You know, I can't quote a study at all. In fact, I can quote one study that says the moon has no impact on our hormones, and I can quote another study that says it does. So (laughs) I, I talked about that in my book. I'm like, there's two that say the opposite thing. But I can tell you just from client experiences, and now I train period coaches, so their clients' experiences that it's a really helpful, uh, just thinking up and that behavior that, you know, it signals to our body, like, this is where we are. This is how we're in harmony with the world around us. And we can do this better. And then that way you have those periods where you're eating those really healthy, nourishing foods and getting all that stuff out. So you're so much better prepared and it can be a lot less, um, shocking and, and traumatizing for sure
0: so fascinating Mm. Uh, i wish i learned all of this as a teenager um and that's where i'd love to kind of ask you you know how can women work with you as a period coach
2: yeah so i have a couple different things so for people who just want to dip a toe you can grab my book the revolution will be bloody Uh, You can jump into my Flow Freedom program, which is one of those like jump in once you're in forever situations because I'm lazy and I just don't like launching all the time. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. it just... It's a good bonus for you guys, and it just works better for me in uh, life. But that's where we really get into the feeling all these different things and learning how to chart and learning how to eat and enjoy. It's really a pleasure-based program, learning how to rewire your brain to see pleasure in your cycle as opposed to what we're conditioned to see. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the higher level stuff is I have the period coaching school where I do train people to be period coaches, as well as coaches who have menstruating clients. So business coaches, health coaches, relationship coaches, all of those things where they're working with people who menstruate and all, it affects everything. You know, your business can run better. If you're doing it with flow, your relationship can be better. If you're doing it with flow, Your everything, you know, eating with flow, all of these things. So, uh, I train coaches. I also have people in here that just want to learn more about their cycles and what's going on. And, you know, they might have a period problem. So they're trying to do that as well. And I do take a handful of private clients a year. So that's, you know, depending on where my roster is for the time sometimes there's open spaces sometimes there's not but i do some one-on-one coaching as well
1: that's Amazing. awesome
0: yeah. yeah well we could talk for a long time maybe we'll I get you back again really fast <laughs> yeah but thank you so much Dasha, for joining us i you know so appreciate your you sharing and again i'm just like I love learning and this is just fascinating to me. And, you know, even though, you know, you kind of think, oh, you've got to know about your cycle if you're wanting to be pregnant, it's kind of making me realize and go, no, it doesn't just have to be just to, you know, bear a child that you should know your cycle. And um, yeah, I think it's fascinating. So thank you so much for your time and we would, yeah, love to have you back on in the future.
2: I would be absolutely honored. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.
1: We hope that you've enjoyed this episode and that it's helped you on your own journey. We would love it if you would subscribe and
0: leave us a review. To learn more about our individual online or face-to-face courses or be mentored by us for your own birth, please see our show notes for the links to our programs.